Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Cynthia Deeran and this is the Business Beyond Borders podcast. I created the show to inspire and motivate entrepreneurs and business owners who want to expand their company internationally and make a bigger impact in the world. And I chat to people who have already walked that path about how they did it. Today, I'm talking to Angus Rain, a leading real estate commentator and the executive chairman of Rain and Horn Group here in Australia. Now, what's a bit different about Angus is that he's a fourth generation member of the family that created the Rain and Horn brand. He didn't start the company, but he has been instrumental in taking it overseas. At 135 years old, Rain and Horn is one of the oldest privately held companies in Australia and the Southern Hemisphere. And it's a real estate franchising model with commercial, rural and mortgage broking arms. Rain and Horn currently has offices in Malaysia, the UAE, India, Fiji and Vietnam, as well as across Australia. Angus, welcome to the show. Thanks, Cynthia. I wanted to start out by kind of talking about where you've come from. So I'm curious to know, have you always been an entrepreneur? What, what were you like as a kid? Well, as a kid, I think the word entrepreneur being an older, older person had a, had a dirty connotation in the 80s. Is that right? So I think I'm just, yeah, I'm very much so. Um, I think more as a business builder, which is really what a, the definition of an entrepreneur is. Yes. But to answer your question, when I, I was the I was the fellow in the um, in the neighbourhood that did the car washing, a car washing run. I did a paper run and I did a milk run. Yes. So um, I think that maybe answers your question. So that was kind of in your blood from an early age. Yes, I even had sort of like a frequent customer flyer point system. So I grew up in a very affluent suburb. So back in the 70s, everyone knew each other. Yeah. Uh, so I had a great network. Everyone knew me and my parents. So you know, I'd say, well, you refer me three three um, clients, you'll you'll get a free car wash. So I, I, I pioneered, pioneered a, loyal, a loyalty program. You, you may, it may have been one of the first because I'm not sure there were many of those around in the 70s, were there? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was all cash money too. Now, for people listening in Australia, they'll already know about Rain and Horn because it's a really famous business and a really famous brand in Australia. But for people who are listening to this show outside Australia, can you just tell us a little bit about the Rain and Horn story, because essentially you are from a real estate family. So you have come into the real estate business, but Rain and Horn as a, as a concept and as a business already existed before you became involved in it. Can you just paint us a little picture of uh, how long the company has been around for and what it does for people who are offshore and, and don't know about it? Sure. Sure. So we're 135 years old this year. In Australian terms, uh, that is one of the oldest privately held family businesses in Australia and also the Southern Hemisphere. So we're a, a purist real estate franchising model. Um, having said that, we also have um, a commercial brand, a rural brand and a mortgage broking brand. The last three years, we've been the fastest growing network in Australia and that's probably lent us to look overseas, um, re refocusing on our overseas expansion, which we've been doing in the last probably two years, to be fair. Mm. And so who, who actually started the company? Because it was a great-grandfather of yours? Yes, so I'm the fourth generation, so my great-grandfather, and it's probably important for me to mention that resonates 
really well when you go overseas, particularly in Asia and the Middle East. Yes. Uh, they, they, they love that family heritage. In Australia, we're, we're all pretty complacent about things. We don't sort of celebrate. We're not very good at celebrating our achievements. That, yes. That's not just Rand and Horn. I'm talking about Australians in general. Yeah. Um, we tend to hide things a little bit. So when you go overseas, you realise that um, it's really, really worth a, a, a hell of a lot, that sort of that, that, that family lineage that we, that we, that we enjoy. Yeah. And did, when you were younger, did you plan to go into the family business? Because I know you actually started your real estate career outside the family business. Did, was that intentional or, and did you start doing real estate and then come into the company or did you, you know, always uh, plan to do some time outside and then come into the family company? How, where did you start and then how did you transition into, into the rain and horn business? So well, I, I did all my all my studies. I'm a, I'm a property valuer, and from yeah. there, I, th I don't think nepotism is a word um, that doesn't sit very well with me, and again, <laughs> doesn't sit very well with with Australians. And if you're going to eventually run a sales-oriented company like I do now, yeah. you have to have done it. Um, uh, look, I, I know there is a trend in big corporate Australia to have a, a people that have never actually been in in their actual um, business, but in real estate, it's, it, you really have to have done it. So I, I had 15 years working for three or four uh, multinational commercial brands, in, yes. in principally in Australia, but it involved a lot of our Asia travel too. Okay, so you really had that international thing going on from pretty shortly after you uh, after you finished studying. Yep, very, and then, very much so. So I, I, I sort of built my own brand myself, and most people didn't associate me with Rain and Horn, which was great. And they were yeah. quite stunned after I've done you know, a large commercial transaction. They're pretty stunned when I told them my connection with, with Rain and Horn. So I built my own brand outside of the business, which kind of enabled me to come in at a higher level, at the board level, when I was mid-30s um, yes. with my father and joining Rain and Horn. All right. Okay. And so how soon after that did you actually, did the business become an international one? And what so, I mean, talk me through what was that catalyst for, for taking the company international and when did you start working on that? Well, we've had, we've had offices. We've got 12 offices in Malaysia. They've been with us uh, nearly 30 years, yes. 30 years next year. Uh, so we've had a, a, a toe in the water internationally. Um, the Asia crisis sort of sorted out a few, a few of our um, our offices, but that was a, a great learning curve for us. Yes. So it's probably in the last three to three to three years that we've really focused on on building our international brand. So now we have offices in um, the middle of Dubai. We're looking at Kuwait. We've got we've just opened four offices in India. So we have a corporate office that we fund in Bangalore mm. in India. So we've got opened four and only this year. There's another four that that will open before Christmas. We've got three offices in, in Fiji and we've just signed a heads of agreement in Vietnam. So by Christmas, we'll have one, if not two offices in Vietnam. So wow. it's all very exciting. And that's really interesting because I didn't realise that you had had offices in Malaysia for such a long time. Thinking back on, you know, the fact that you had an international presence for this extended period, but then in the last three to four years, the, the sort of global play has mushroomed. What what do you what is that about? I mean, can you talk us through why 
that's well, happened? Have you seen my, a particular opportunity or? Well, my father is a real Asia fire like, like me. Mm -hmm. Back in the 70s when everyone was going on holidays to, you know, probably America or, or Europe, we all went to Asia. And that was before you know, Asia was even considered a tourist destination, let alone a, a um, commercial opportunity destination. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I love travelling in that region. So that's where it, it started. But you can have the best strategy and the best plans, but if you don't have the right people, it will never, ever be executed. Yeah. So I've got a um, general manager of international mm -hmm. because we're a long way away from everywhere. Yes. You've got to have people that are prepared to travel and you know, be away from home for, for, for periods, extended periods of time. So you can't, as I'm executive chairman, I don't have the time to do all the travel. Yeah. Having said that, I do go and, and see these offices, but not nearly as much as the, the general manager. And he's got extensive international experience. So as a, as a firm, when you're thinking about a new international market, how do you go about choosing where you'll expand to? What, what drives that decision for you as a company? So we, we, tend, we, we tend not to overanalyse things too much, but having said that, we're, we're blessed in Australia. We've got the most mature and sophisticated real estate agency practice in the world, mm. and we've probably got the most sophisticated consumer in, in the world. And then that, that also couples with our you know, financial institution, mortgage-broking industries. Mm. So we sort of we do lead the world. So that's people, when they join us, they, buy, they, join our, they, they, they want our IP, they want our know-how. Um, you know, so we look at things like population, uh, how mature is the market? Is there a, how big the middle class is? Because property is an inspirational play, aspirational play. Mm. So how big the middle class is, particularly pertinent to India. Yes. And also, of course, how we, we like, we like um, a very good legal system, obviously, and property title. That's absolutely fundamental system. And if they have any franchising law. Yes. And do you think... And also, uh, we're, 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 sorry, sorry. Yeah, we're go ahead. <laughs> sorry, Cynthia. We're quite lucky in, in, in Australia. It's an important point with our sort of diaspora. Yes. So our Dubai office is an Australian. One of the partners in Fiji, three partners in Fiji. Um, we've got 40 staff there, three offices I've mentioned. He's in Aussie, Malaysia. Um, a lot of their, because they've been with us so long, a lot of their children have studied here. Mm. So I, I, I know the, 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 I know all the kids, and also um, India. They, they've got uh, strong links to Australia, and and the, the and the Vietnamese office. They also have strong links through through the diaspora in Australia. So we're we're blessed, so we can really leverage off you know our multiculturalism. And have you found that the Rain and Horn models translated pretty well into the markets that you've gone to? Has it been an easy? Thing to pick up the model that you've used here in Australia and to to transplant it somewhere else. Uh, look, very very much so. I mean, these using the Indian example, we might have an office. I mean, in, in Australia, we might have one office per probably fifteen to twenty thousand dwellings. Mm. Uh, in India, we probably have one office for every million people. So there's just more zeros when you go yeah. to a place like India or if you go to a place like China. They're just more zeros, so we tend not to get lost in the, in, in the zeros too much. Yes. But the, the model's very, very, very similar. 
Okay. And just thinking of, I mean, because it's great to hear about how well it has gone and how seamless it's been, but um, when you do international business, it's never, ever a hundred percent, you know, flawless and without challenges. So if you had to kind of pick a challenge uh, and, and say what you thought had been the most difficult aspect of this globalization process so far, what would that be? What do you think has been the most challenging thing and how, how has the company managed it? So I've mentioned the tyranny of distance. Australia is a long way away. So in the future, I think we'll probably have an international office in Singapore. Yes. So then you can jump around to these markets easier, but that, that's probably three to five years away. Yes. I think the major challenge is do they fit our culture? Um, we're very strong on culture. I know it's a, it's a much used term uh, in the commercial world now. So for an example, for example, I flew up with our general manager to interview people in Thailand. Mm. They were expats. Uh, and I just said to our GM, these guys just don't fit us. I get a very bad feeling how they treated other people. Yes. Um, just a general demeanour. I said, no, 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 we, we can't do this. Um, so we flew back home. Yeah. Don't rush into things. Um, so we just said, no, no. I'm, you know, I'm, one of the things about having my title, you can make, I can make very quick decisions, <laughs> and if they're not right, I can unmake them. But this, that was a totally the correct decision. It's not about numbers of offices overseas it's it's about how connected they are with you i think that's really interesting and look that is a great segue to what i wanted to ask you about next which is about rain and horns company culture so we've just talked about you know mismatch of values tell me what the rain and horn values are well it may, may sound a bit twee but it is very a family-based culture so i know all our principles we have about three and a half thousand staff in australia yeah. So I sort of pride myself on knowing and their partners and and a lot of the time what their children are doing because uh, that, that's all very important. They're all um, they're basically aligned with, with my culture and, and, and the companies. We also have internal incentive campaigns because this is very easy in this day and age to Skype people or um, have teleconferences. Real estate still a physical contact sport. It's still belly to belly. Yes. So that, that, that means that I, I, get, I get out and about. So our internal incentive um, promotion will uh, that actually ends in December this year and I'll go to probably about 20 functions around Australia. We all get together and we have uh, auctions. They all have um, pretend money and they can bid for items at an auction, for example, and mix and mingle and have a bit of fun because, again, I think a lot of, companies have forgotten to have a bit of fun it's hard hard working and i think a lot of people we like to bring the smile back into things and not be so serious all the time yeah and how do you translate that to you know uh an office that's a, a continent away or the other side of the world away how do you actually make sure that you can build that culture in a new place and really keep that esprit de corps that you've got here in Australia alive in, for example, Dubai or in India or in any of the other offices that you've set up? Well, um, we had a large, we had, we had our international conference on the Gold Coast um, only last month in July and most of our international offices, two partners from Fiji came, three partners from Malaysia and their kids came. Um, so that that's that's a start. So they get a great feel. It's probably three to four hundred people attend. They get a great feel. 
in that three or four days about what Raymond Horn's all about. Fantastic. So, Angus, I wanted to ask you now a couple of questions about you. And, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big job that you have on your hands running this, this Australian company, which is now a global company. How do you stay motivated? What is it that gets you out of bed every day to face up to, to being the owner of this company? Uh, tongue in cheek, you've got five children, three of them in very good schools, and I've got my two oldest are at college at uh, Sydney Uni. So, yep. that, so that's if there's a financial, there's a financial um, incentive to jump out of bed. But look, I'm I'm blessed with uh, it's a perfect fit for me for what I do for getting my surname. Yes. I, I'm, I'm blessed. I don't really need a push out of bed every morning. I, I, I love traveling and I, I love growing the network and I love seeing our people within the network grow. Yes. And how do you describe your leadership style? That's funny. Um, funny you ask that. I was thinking <laughs> probably quite, quite, I'm quite informal, uh, uh-huh. but also I just look at, I don't, because salesmen tend to get, involved in the emotional side of things. I just look at if they if they didn't do X, Y, Z, why haven't you done X, Y, Z? And how can we help you or how can I help you achieve what we've asked you to do as a company? Yes. It's all very all very well and good to, you know, you can dance around a, a subject and a topic, but I just tend to look at the facts. And get straight to the point. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and also saves time. I often tell people I'm very frank um, in this day and age, everyone's tiptoeing around at the HR. Yes. Uh, but I, I tend to be very frank because it, it saves time and, and just gets to the point. Yeah. Now, I imagine that, you know, sometimes on the business journey, even for you, there are days that are less good than the other days. So when, when you have a bad day or if you find that you're sort of stuck on a tough business decision, what kind of strategies and tools have you come up with over time for managing, you know, difficult decisions or uh, situations that you're finding uncomfortable? Well, I've, I've got a very good management team with me. So I've got a, uh, we, we run this firm. It's not a family picnic. We run it like a corporation. So we have non-executive directors. We have proper board meetings, strategies, which I'm, funnily enough, a lot of family businesses don't do, which I'm still amazed amazed at. So my yes. people under me, CEO, our GMs around Australia, our GM of international and commercial I've mentioned, they probably, we've probably got 150 years of experience, not only in real estate, but also real estate franchising. Yeah. So we have a great, a great brain trust. These guys are older than me. I know that I know they won't mind me mentioning that, but they're a bit older than me. And that, so they've probably seen one or two probably cycles more than me. Yes, um, and that that that's a great great sounding board. So it, it reminds me that when I did my um, Harvard Business course, which was uh, one of the executive MBAs, it was a month a year for three years. So the the head professor just um, got up and she said, "Look, firstly, you should all be congratulated. You're all your business because you can take a month off and and come here to study. Your businesses are already sound." Yeah. So that, that, that's a litmus test that obviously you have a management team in place that you're comfortable enough and these people are flying from 34 different countries around the world. Obviously your business is robust enough and your management team are good enough to be able to handle things when you're away. So I've actually never forgotten that. 
And there's a lot of people that say, oh, look, I couldn't possibly take time off to do a course. And I'm saying, well, that's exactly why I should take time off. Yeah. There's something fundamentally wrong with your business if you can't leave it. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting and really, really sound point. I want to ask you also about inspiration. Are there, have you, are there people who've inspired you on the journey or uh, if not people, favourite books? And who, who are they or what are they and, and why? Well, I'm one of these. If I don't know something about something, I will. I've got a pretty good network because I'm sort of born in Sydney. Always seem to have worked in the CBD. I've got a very wide network. So whatever it is, I'll know someone that's an expert in that field. That could be a personal level, or it can be a business. Uh, so that that's really really helped me. I'm also in a, in a business forum group, and they, they, there's a, a group of uh, twelve of us, all from family businesses of varying varying sizes. We've got a professional facilitator. That's part of the Family Business Australia um, organisation. That's been just fantastic sounding board because everyone's gone through similar issues because family businesses have another level of complexity. Yes. Because, i.e., the family. Yeah. <laughs> family. So that, that's certainly been a great, uh, a great sounding board for me. And what what's next for you? I mean, do you think do you see yourself? Uh, at the head of Rain and Horn forever, or is there some other thing that you have a burning desire to get out there and do at some point, some other passion project? Uh, well, I, I think I will be here um, for, for a long, long time anyway, a few decades. What's next for me? I'm sitting in my office surrounded by boxes. Yes. So we're moving, <laughs> we're moving offices. So um, we've purchased a, um, a floor in the city and we're moving literally on Friday, so it is an absolute nightmare. If you've ever moved offices, something that you only want to do probably once a decade. Okay. <laughs> that, that, is, that is pressing on my mind yes. at the moment. But look, in, in future, the good thing about this business we do, we're certainly expanding our mortgage broking business. Uh, we might be looking at other ways of financing for our clients in the future. That's certainly very topical. You know, not a bit of an online play. We we could look at having our own advertising company. That's certainly a, a passion of mine is marketing. Mm. That's probably my, my my big passion is marketing. We could you know open up our own sub branded um, advertising agency that we could you know ha- have our clients being our offices or to also use. So that's that, that's something that we may look at um, before too long. So there's always there's always opportunities out there. If I had to ask you for a final thought um, that you could share with us, and I guess this would really be for other business owners who are wondering about this project of taking a company international, have you got any, you know, advice or or wisdom for for owners of companies who are looking at the international space and thinking that looks really interesting? I wonder if we should give that a shot. So. My answer to that, you must, must have a solid, profitable business in Australia before you look at expanding. Mm. Don't see the expansion as a lifeboat because mm. that won't end well. Yeah. That's a great tip. Angus, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's uh, been a pleasure to chat to you and I wish you all the best with your move. If you've enjoyed today's episode, remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud or Stitcher. 
And if you're aspiring to take on the world by storm with your business and you need a little bit of help, check out internationalbusinessaccelerator.com. You can find blogs, eBooks, this podcast and information about the accelerator itself at that site. So the link again is internationalbusinessaccelerator.com.